0: Hello, and welcome to this edition of the IMI Talking Leadership podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Aide McCormack. Aide is a former technologist with a background in astrophysics and software engineering, who today advises leaders on transformational matters. Aide, could you introduce yourself to our listeners?
1: Thank you, Farah. Delighted uh, to be on the podcast. Uh, background in astrophysics and software engineering, over the years sort of bubbled up into advising C-suite on transformational matters, disruption matters and leadership matters. So that's my, my career in a very tight nutshell. Uh, worked in about 40 different countries, written a few books, wrote for the FT for quite a while, uh, and generally very, very interested in the future of society and the role leadership plays in, in that.
0: So today, Aid, I want us to talk a little bit about the concept of the cognitive athlete and you define that as an individual who's nurtured to maximize their cognitive capacity and pursuit of creating value. Can you introduce us to the concept of the cognitive athlete in a bit more detail?
1: Sure. Well, if you like, most organizations today are based on industrial era principles and that means system first people second so most organizations today underutilize the cognitive potential of their people we're merely cogs in the machine we're we're process monkeys so to speak Uh, and the only reason we're there is because the technology hasn't evolved enough uh, to replace us And and the factory model has worked well, more or less, for 300 years. Uh, But the factory model requires, if you like, a kind of synthetic certainty in society, a steady state, so to speak, uh, because they need predictability in respect of uh, demand, not least. Uh, But we're moving into a world now that's becoming increasingly disrupted. And that disruption is not working out well for the the factory model. Therefore, organisations now uh, can't just find a great idea and then automate it and maximise it for profit. Organisations today have to adapt almost in real time to how the world is changing. And adapting uh, requires uh, innovative response and an innovative response uh, fundamentally requires humans to be involved. Technology per se cannot do innovation. It cannot pattern match and be creative in the way that humans can, at least not for now. So organisations, I encourage them to, um, if you like, harness the cognitive potential of their people, because that's lying uh, dormant at this point in time. Uh, the trouble we have is that to innovate, you need to experiment and to experiment, you need to fail. And failure is the anathema of the industrial era uh efficiency mantra so there's a there's a there's a problem that's going to get a lot worse as these industrial era factories And when I say factories i don't literally mean literally a factory it could be a services company it's just that data is going along the conveyor belt so to speak many of these organizations are are dead organizations walking so to speak and the way they're managing to stay in play is by tinkering Uh, with their cost management, perhaps a little bit of digitalization here and there. But essentially, at the end of the day, a faster, smarter, cheaper Titanic is still a, a Titanic.
0: That's so interesting to hear. And you know, when you're thinking of your talent as these cognitive athletes, it's obviously really important to keep them at the center of what you do as an organization. So can you tell us a bit about why companies should always put their talent first and any examples of companies that you've seen do this really well?
1: Well, I think it's it's a it's a no-brainer in the sense that, you know, if you think of from a governance perspective, the responsibility of the board, of the C-suite is to manage certain assets. And we're all very familiar with, with money, maybe even physical capital, brand capital. Uh, but human capital isn't really treated or really it doesn't show up on the balance sheet that's for sure and um that's that's wasted however as again the the industrial organizations do not know how to take their uh, their cogs in the machine and turn them into cognitive athletes and in fact they've employed people by virtue of their lack of cognitive interest if you like so many people going to work in often high-paying jobs are really not doing much thinking during the day and they like it like that it's um it's predictable in terms of their salary they don't have to strain their brains too much even though it's a high powered uh job um but there are people out there that are creative uh their if you like creativity gene is turned on and that's what they do and and the challenge we have is how do we um How do we unleash the cognitive potential that's lying dormant in old school organizations where these old school organizations are structured in such a way to make uh, capitalizing on that cognitive potential actually very difficult? That's that's the big challenge. But to answer your question in respect of, well, who's doing this well? Well, think of companies that are that have a very. Uh, that are highly adaptive, that have a very high innovation velocity, have a very high failure velocity. And so we're talking about companies like Google, uh, Netflix, uh, Microsoft, Apple. They understand that they're in the, in the cognition business or even in the cognition harvesting business.
0: And I know there's a lot of talk recently that things like Free pizza pool table in the office, that isn't really as appealing to staff as organizations might think it is or as it might have been in the past. So can you talk us through some of the ways in which organizations can really put their talent at the center stage and not just give them these token benefits that might not be what their talent are looking for?
1: Yeah, there is a basically human's are taking up the slack in failing business models. So they're becoming more and more stressed as a result. And that's why we're seeing a lot of um, mental unwellness. And I suspect over time, we're going to see a great increase in suicides as a result of the the, the increasing pressure we're putting on workers. And what I'm seeing out there in general is that the HR function thinks, oh, well, well, we'll get them a wellness app and all will be good. Um, it's it's nowhere near that simple. If we look at this in anthropological terms, we as humans um, are wired to be tribal. Um, we have certain anthropological needs: the need to move, to be social, to be creative, to be curious, to be productive, to have a sense of purpose, to have a high degree of autonomy. And um, I've identified about nine anthropological drivers. And if you can bake those into your organisation. Um, then people will go to work and they will feel human. You know, the fact that they're encouraged to be social, mobile, et cetera, is it's going to make them feel good. It's a bit like a, literally an athlete going to the gym. It's tough in the gym, but they walk out feeling both exhausted and looking forward to getting back in the gym, so to speak. So smart organizations are creating cognitive gymnasiums where they are designed to optimize Uh, The likelihood that you will be social, uh, you will move, uh, you will have an opportunity to be curious and so on.
0: That's great. And have you actually seen a shift in the way employees perceive what organisations should be doing to put them first? And do you think that talent is using these kinds of benefits or these kinds of work environments as a reason for wanting to work for a certain organization?
1: Um, essentially coming out of COVID, what we saw was not a, a new enlightenment in terms of talent management. We saw a race back to 2019 because the leaders were in search of a comfort blanket, so to speak. That was the last piece of stability that they knew. So I would, see, I would say we've gone backwards in many respects in terms of at talent management. And what's happened is that people have had two plus years of having some degree of autonomy, being able to reacquaint themselves with their family, and so on. And they've reassessed how they want to use the remaining time they have on the planet. And that's why this get back to work thing is not so attractive to many people. And this, you know, I'm not going back to work, I'll retire, or I'll find somewhere that pays a lot less, but gives me more flexibility that people are 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 going down that that road they're reassessing the value that they get from work and it's, it throws a spanner in the human as a consumer because human as a consumer we need that otherwise the factories have nothing uh, have no one to sell to but we've had two years of not buying anything and we've discovered that actually we can we can live on a lot less and we didn't need this or that shiny thing and that's, that's going to have an economic um, impact as well. It'll have a positive, hopefully sustainable impact. So now humans are reassessing or people are reassessing what they want from work. And this is actually very, very empowering for the individual. And essentially what we're seeing now is the power axis moving from the employer to the employee. Uh, so this is, this is the start of a revolution.
0: It's so interesting to hear your insights into this, both from an organisational and a leadership perspective, but also from an employee perspective. And just to finish off, I want to talk to you about one of your projects that you're working on at the moment. So the Intelligent Leadership Hub, can you tell us a bit more about that and what it's looking to achieve?
1: Sure. Um, I've spent quite a few years looking at anthropology, evolutionary biology and a variety of things in terms of how humans operate, how how humans perform, and how we could introduce that into the workplace, so to speak. So the Intelligent Leadership Hub at the moment is about 50 people who are experts in their various fields and are leaders as well. And essentially, what we're trying to do is uh, create intelligent leaders uh, who, are helping communities who are helping organizations to be fairer more adaptive adaptive and more sustainable so that's the kind of top level on that so we're a, we're a bit of a think tank and we're a bit of a do tank a, as well and we're still in the early stages of this but i hope to go um global with this fairly soon so hopefully this might be uh, of interest to your listeners as well
0: That's great. And I really look forward to following on how that project continues in the future and to hearing more about your work. So thank you again, Aid, for joining us today on the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast. And thank you to everyone for listening. We're looking forward to bringing you another edition soon. You can follow us on SoundCloud or on your preferred podcast provider to ensure that you don't miss an episode. Until next time.